friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. excited to hear the Word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. Could you please rise from your seats, please? And we will read together James chapter 1 and verses 22 to 25. I'd like us to read at the count of three. One, two, read. But prove yourselves doers of the Word, and not merely hearers to delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for this wonderful time that you've given us, O God, to be able to worship you and to affirm our faith and belief in you, O God. Indeed, you are the one and only true living God. You are the only one who is greater than all things. And we worship you for who you are and what you have done in our lives. We are a blessed people. And we have received blessing upon blessing in our lives, grace upon grace, favor upon favor. And Lord, we are deeply grateful to what you have done to us and for us. And this morning, O God, we ask humbly that you might speak to us, your people. Lord, you have given us your word, and we have treasured the word in our hearts And we pray, O God, that your word will not return to you null and void, but that it might accomplish the very purpose by which you have sent it for. Lord, we thank you for this. And we trust, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will be at work in us and through us. Lord, I humbly ask for your blessing upon my lips, upon my mind, that I might speak clearly succinctly your word to your people, that they might understand your will. And whatever is going to be achieved this morning, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. The title of this morning's sermon is The Blessed Life of the Doer. Now, in the previous verses that we studied, we were saying that we need to center our lives on the Word of God. The reason being that our salvation was accomplished by the preaching of God's Word. And I cited to you Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and it states that faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? hearing the Word of Christ. 
Nobody can be saved apart from the preaching of the Word of God. And that is why I have been telling you that we need to open our mouths. We need to be able to share the gospel. We cannot simply pray for people to come to Christ. We need to share the gospel to them. Of course, we understand the power of God's sovereignty. God is able to draw people to Himself. But at the same time, we cannot escape our own human responsibility. God has called us to preach the gospel. Paul, in writing to Timothy, said, Do the work of an evangelist. And we trust that the Word of God is powerful, that it will be able to do its work that it will be able to save people who are receptive to the truth. Yesterday, I did the Saturday service, of course, and I went to the restroom for some time, and I saw this uh, young man, and I thought he was a Korean. So I said hi to him. He said hi to me, and he asked what my name was. So obviously, he had not been here for a long time. So I said, I'm, I'm Pastor Mel. And he introduced himself. So I said, are you a Korean? And he said, no, I'm not a Korean. I'm from Mongolia. And he was very frank. And he said, I do not have a personal relationship with the Lord. But I like your English. And that's why I've been coming here for the past three days. I'm really trying to improve my English skills. And so he was very honest about it. By the way, that was not the first time uh, that that happened, there were a group of Chinese people, some from, somebody was from Hong Kong, and the other one was from Taiwan. The Taiwanese lady was a Buddhist. And so I asked the, the young man, because they asked to speak with me after the service, so I talked to the young man, and he said he's a Christian, and he comes from Hong Kong. And so I, I assumed that the lady with him was also a Christian. She said, no, I'm from Taiwan. I'm a Buddhist. And so she says, I'm here to learn English from you. So I, <laughs> I have become an English teacher. <laughs> and uh, there, are some, there are a batch. Yesterday, there was a batch of a lot of Chinese students, and they were here. And they were here to learn English from me. A few Sundays back, there were some Koreans also. They were here because they wanted to learn English from me. And, well, you know what? God is sovereign. Amen? They may be here not for the Word of God, but I trust that when the Word of God is being preached, there will be some of them who will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? We believe that. We believe in the power of God's Word. That is what brought us to salvation. And not only that, likewise, the Word of God is the instrument of the Lord that brings about our sanctification as well as our spiritual growth. As such, the Word of God is not simply to be heard or read, but it is to be obeyed. That is the purpose why we listen to God's Word. And friends, I'd like to be able to say that there is where the blessing is. Now, how many of us here would like to be blessed? Could you please raise your hands? We all want to be blessed. And we need to understand that 
it's not only in the hearing of God's Word that we will be blessed, but it is when we apply it in our lives. Now, I don't think I can overstate the importance of this because a lot of times we come here and we listen to God's Word and obviously we love God's Word because we learn a lot about the attributes of God. We learn a lot about the will of God. And so, at times, we glory in the information that we receive from God's Word. But you see, we miss the point when we think that the Word of God is merely for information. We need to be mindful that the purpose in listening to the Word of God is our transformation. The reason why we got saved is so that we might be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So that as each day passes, we become more and more like Jesus Christ. So that's the purpose. Now, in this passage that we will be studying, there are three things that you will be able to see. And I'd like to be able to point this out to you. First of all, the first major point I'd like to discuss to you is the command that is given to us to be a doer. It's a command. It's not good advice. It's a command. It's an imperative. I will explain that further. And second major point I'd like to point out to you is the illustration of a mere hearer. Of course, you and I know already by this time, because I gave a little introduction, that James happens to be the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I know that Jesus was the master illustrator. I mean, he would illustrate. He would share stories and, and parables. And that's exactly what we find James doing here. Comes up with an illustration with those who are merely hearers. And there's a danger in that. We put ourselves at risk. And there are two things I'd like to show you here under that. First of all, when you do that, when you're merely hearing the Word of God, you are dismissing your spiritual appearance before God, and also you miss the mark. You miss the goal. And you don't want that happening because obviously God has a goal in our lives. Now, we go to the third major point, and it is, it is the way to blessedness. Two words you have to remember. First word is look. I will explain that later on. And the second word would be abide. Those are two words that you need to remember so that you could live a blessed life. So, we go to the first major point right now, which is the command to be a doer. Let's take a look at verse 22. It says, but prove yourselves doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. The word prove here could likewise be translated become. So I could say this, become doers of the Word of God, not merely hearers who delude themselves, become doers of God's Word. Now, if you do a little study of the original Greek, there's one thing you will discover here. It is in the imperative tense. Now, for those of you who are well acquainted with the Greek language, you know that an imperative is a command. So we are not being given good advice here. And 
Unfortunately, some people look at the Word of God as simply good advice. It's like a take-it-or-leave-it kind of a thing. But that is not the case. The Word of God is not good advice, which you can take or leave. No, it is something that you and I must obey. That is very clear in so far as the Scriptures are concerned. The Word of God contains commandments that we are to follow. So the purpose of God's Word is for us to obey it. Again, it's quite interesting when you take a look at the Greek, because the construction of the Greek here tells us that this is supposed to be a continuing thing. In other words, following and obeying the Word of God is supposed to be our lifestyle. This is how we live. If we are asked how do we live, we obey God's Word. That's how we live. We follow God's will. That's how we live the Christian life. That is how you and I are defined. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ defined loving God in this way. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's the love of God. John the Beloved in the first letter of John likewise said something similar. He said the love of God has to do with obedience and obeying God's Word is not burdensome. Again, friends, that is what God requires. Doing God's Word is not supposed to be a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. I like what I read a few years back in the book, Fresh Bait for Fishers of Men. Louis Albert Banks tells of an incident that clearly illustrates what it means to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. On one occasion, while Sir Henry Brackenbury was a military attache in Paris, he was conversing with this distinguished uh, statesman Gambetta, who said to him, In these days, there are only two things a soldier needs to know. First, he must know how to march. And secondly, he must know how to shoot. The Englishman quickly replied, I beg your pardon, Excellency, but you have forgotten the most important thing of all for a soldier. And the Frenchman asked him, well, what is that? And Brackenbury replied, he must know how to obey. Let me say it again. He must know how to obey. That is the mark of a good soldier, according to Brackenbury. But it is not only Brackenbury who is saying that. It is Paul saying that to Timothy as well. And what does Paul say to Timothy? Paul says to Timothy that he needs to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking to please his commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that is how you and I are measured in so far as our spirituality is concerned. It is the obedience meter that determines our true spiritual state. The Word of God, let me make it clear, is not to be heard only, but it is to be done. 
Hearing brings the responsibility of doing. When you come here and you listen to the Word of God, bear in mind that God is calling you to apply this in your life. And if you do not do that, you put your heart, your spiritual heart at risk. Because when we do not respond positively to God's Word by obeying it, the result of that is a hardening of our hearts. And the result of that as well is that we will now be less receptive and less responsive to God's Word. So as we go on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, when you and I do not apply God's Word, it becomes less and less exciting. The Word of God becomes dull and boring to us. Not because it is dull and boring, but because our hearts have become numbed. It has become dull. And the result of that is there is no interest in us in so far as the Word of God is concerned. So you will be coming here, you will be dragging your feet, and you will be listening to the sermon, but it will not appeal to you, it will not be attractive to you, it will not be exciting to you. The only way the Word of God becomes truly exciting to us is when we consider it as the marching orders of the Lord. And that is why coming here, we need to be praying to God and, and telling Him, Lord, what do you want from me? What do you require from me? Is there a compromise in my life? Is there something that is lacking and inadequate? Lord, how do I fix my life? What are the areas in my marriage that, that I need to fix? How do I raise up my children? We need to have that kind of an attitude. Because we are not here merely for information. Our desire is our own personal transformation. If, however, we treat the Word of God as the marching orders of God, every Sunday that we come here, it becomes more and more exciting. Not because we just learn more information about the Word of God, but this time we have seen the blessing of obeying God. Because as we obey the Lord, we, we realize that He is a rewarder. He will reward us for obedience. And not only that, the Word of God becomes the means and the instrument by which we encounter God. It becomes the means by which we get to know God. Our view and our faith of God becomes enlarged and we begin to see God for who He really is as a majestic God, as a God of splendor, a God of power, a God of might, a God who is our deliverer. And that excites our hearts. And that should be what should be happening Sunday after Sunday. But that is not going to happen if we have no intentions of following the Word of God. One story goes, there was this Christian who came from the church service, and it was nighttime already, and he saw one of the members of the church who was not able to attend that particular Sunday church service. And so he asked, is the sermon done? And this member who attended the church service said, no, he said, the sermon has been preached, but it is not yet done. Let me say it again. 
After this service, the sermon is preached, but it has to be done. That is what needs to happen. It remains to be done. Now, the Bible declares to us that if we have merely become hearers of God's Word, we have been deluded. We have fooled ourselves into thinking that we are spiritual. And let me say this, spirituality is not measured by the number of Bible studies that we have attended, but the number of times we have been changed as we have encountered the Word of God. All right? So that is how our spirituality is measured. Let me repeat that once again. Spirituality is not measured by the number of Bible studies we attend, but the number of times we have changed as we have encountered the Word of God. Now think about this for a while. How have you changed? in the past months or in the past weeks that you have been listening to the Word of God? Has anything changed? If you were a bitter person before and a preaching in relation to forgiveness was preached, how did you respond to that? Did you still nurture that bitterness and that hatred in your heart? Or did you let go of it? Did you repent of it? Did you ask for forgiveness from the Lord? That is what needs to be happening whenever the Word of God is being preached. And again, very important that we realize this. One man remarked, our churches are filled with spiritual sponges who soak up information, sit, star, I'm sorry, sit, sar, and eventually stink. Now, we don't want that happening, right? We don't want to soak up information, sit, sar, and eventually stink. We don't want that happening. We want to be growing. We want our lives to become a sweet aroma before the Lord. We want God to be pleased with our lives. At the end of our lives, what do we want to hear? This is what we want to to hear from our Lord, Master, and Savior. We want Him saying to us, well done, good and faithful servant. That is what you and I want to hear at the end of the day, at the end of our lives when we meet our Creator. We want to hear those sweet words, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, when Edward when King Edward VI, the King of England in the 16th century, attended a worship gathering like this, you know what he would do? Whenever the Word of God was being read, he would stand up out of respect to the Word. He would stand up. Every time the Word of God was read, he would stand up, read his own Bible, and respect the Word of God. That's what you and I need to do. By the way, that's the reason why I ask you to stand up during the reading of God's Word. I want us to understand that the Word of God is our treasure. The psalmist said, oh, how I love thy law. That is the attitude that we need to have. It is, it is a treasure. 
that is given to us because in it, we are able to determine the perfect will of God. In the Word of God, we are able to know the attributes of God. And so why should we not treasure the Word of God? Why should we not honor the Word of God? But here's what else King Edward VI would do. He was a note-taker. When the Word of God is being preached, he would have his notes ready, his pen ready. And he would start jotting down notes from the sermon. And it doesn't stop there. When he goes back to his, his room, he would study it again. And all throughout the week, he would go back to his notes and try to find out how he was doing in so far as his obedience was concerned. And you know what? I think that's good practice to revere and honor God's Word, to jot down notes or take pictures, which you are doing, all right, of the screen, and then review them, study them, and then evaluate your life. Have, have I been following this? Have I been obeying this? Because if I am not doing that, James says, we're deluding ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. Now, how many of us would like to fool ourselves? We don't want to make a mockery out of our church attendance. We want this to be really meaningful. But the only way this is really going to be meaningful for us is, is, is if we have the intention of obeying and following God's Word. Which brings us to our second point. Now, James gives us an illustration of a mere hearer. And I'd like us to read verse 23. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So the illustration here is that the Word of God is compared to a mirror. Now let, let me ask you this question. What is the function of a mirror? What's the function of a mirror? Well, the function of a mirror is to show an honest reflection of yourself. I believe you will agree with me that one of the very first things that you do when you wake up in the morning is go look at the mirror. Amen? And why do you do that? Because normally in the morning, we don't look our best. In the morning when we wake up, we look our worst. Sometimes there's dry saliva on our cheeks, right? There's Star Wars in our eyes. And your hair is all messed up, right? Well, I don't have that problem anymore. Sometimes I wake up thinking that I still have hair, and I go like this, and I touch it, and there's nothing there. But that's what the mirror is for, right? It's to be able to see an honest reflection of how you look like. And what's the purpose? I mean, you don't just look at the mirror and then stop and not do anything. When you look at the mirror, you try to fix yourself. That's why you go to a mirror. You, you, you try to fix your hair and, and wash your face so that you could be 
very presentable when you go to your offices or when you go to school. You want to be able to make a proper representation of yourself. That's why you have a mirror. But you see, here the comparison is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, and once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten, it says here, what kind of person he was. Isn't that interesting? This person looks at the mirror, and then he forgets, what do I look like? It doesn't really happen like that, doesn't it? But you see here, uh, James is trying to create a picture in our minds. That's how it looks like. Because the Word of God is a mirror. It, it gives you an honest reflection of your spiritual state. It tells you exactly as it is, what it is in your heart. If there's bitterness in your heart, you will see it in the Bible. If there's pride and arrogance in your heart, you will see it in the Bible. When there's fear and anxiety in your heart, you will see it in the Bible. When you lack faith in the Lord, you'll see it as well in the Scriptures. That's what the Scripture does. It's like a mirror. It tells us exactly where we are in so far as our spiritual state is concerned. Here's the problem. If the Word of God is a mirror of our spiritual lives, we need to use it to be able to gain transformation in our lives. That's the purpose, to be able to fix our lives. The mirror here listens to God's Word but forgets what He has heard. Does that happen to you on a Sunday? That when you listen to the Word of God, after you ride the elevator, you've already forgotten what the sermon was all about. When you go down the stairs, you have already forgotten what the sermon was all about. Sometimes some people come up to me and they say, you know what, Pastor Mel, I was so blessed with your preaching. And sometimes I ask, well, what was my preaching all about? And they ramble off and they think, uh, 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 I was just blessed. I mean, you've got to remember. You've got to be intentional. You've got to be determined to be able to remember everything that was spoken to you. Otherwise, this will be an exercise in futility. This becomes really worthless to us. There is no value that takes place when we forget what has been preached to us. We must remember it. And what's the goal? The, go the goal is to fix ourselves, to do what is necessary to make ourselves presentable to the Lord. That is why the second sub-point here is we miss the goal. When we don't obey God's word, the key word in this verse is the word doer. That's the goal. When we see an honest reflection of ourselves, we need to fix our lives to align with God's word so that we might be presentable to God. That is the purpose. And, you know, when that happens, what a change will take place in our lives. I recall my son, and, and uh, I don't know if you listened to his testimony. He was interviewed on radio uh, last Wednesday um, over DYFR, and he was asked about 
how he became a Christian. And uh, the host was probably surprised to know that my son confessed that he only became a Christian when he was in college. All his life, he was a pastor's kid, of course. I taught him the Word of God. My wife taught him the Word of God. We've, we've done that for all our children. Not necessarily quoting the verses verbatim, John 3.16, but we were explaining it to them so that they could make sense of God's Word. But for some people, it takes some time before they can actually digest the spiritual truths of God's Word. And my son was telling me that when I would preach, we were still at Audion Theater, he would seat himself at the farthest end of the balcony area. I mean, that is where he would be, and he would be with his friends, and he would not really listen or pay attention much to what I was saying. And so every now and then, I would ask him, well, TJ, what did I preach about? And uh, probably, he's, he's kind of smart, you know. He'll probably memorize my title, my sermon title, and then tune out for the rest of the sermon. So he'd give some blurry, hazy kind of answers, but I knew that he didn't get it. But finally, the Word of God began to penetrate his heart. My wife left a book in his room, uh, a book by John Piper, Don't Waste Your Life. And he just realized that he had been wasting his life. So finally, after some months, by the way, that book was not touched. But finally, it just struck him. And he began to read it. And the Word of God began to penetrate his, his hardened heart. And to make a long story short, my son right now, actually both my sons are now pastors. Praise the Lord. Amen? Praise God. But that only happened, that only took place because they decided that they would be followers of the Word of God. The only way, friends, that the effect, the positive effect of God's Word can take place in our lives is when we are intentional in obeying it. That, by the way, brings us to our third and last point. That is the only way to blessedness. And I'd like us to take a look at verse 25 at this time. It says, But one who looks intently at the perfect law the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Once again, I'm going to ask you, how many here want to be blessed? Amen. We all want to be blessed. Well, let me just tell you this. There is a way to blessing. And sometimes we think we can do some shortcuts Sometimes we think that we can make some compromises with God and His Word. I'd like you to know there is no neutral and middle ground in so far as the Bible is concerned. Either you obey it or you reject it. That's the only way to, to respond to the Word of God. Either you have a riot or a revival, as Leonard Ravenhill would say. 
So here's what we need to do. If we want to be blessed, we, first of all, we need to look. It says here, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. What does that mean? The one who looks intently is the one who looks into God's Word for the purpose of changing one's life. Let me say it again. The one who looks intently is the one who looks into God's Word for the purpose of changing one's life. And friends, you know what? God desires the best for us. And sometimes we think that God is just clamping down on, on our freedoms and God is this giant killjoy and He comes up with all these do's and don'ts and these taboos and prohibitions and we think, well, God just doesn't want me to have fun. God just, just doesn't want me to enjoy life. Many times that is how some people think of God. But what we fail to realize is that those do's and those don'ts are actually the ways by which our lives become blessed. Otherwise, if we do not obey the do's and the don'ts of the Scriptures, guess what's going to happen to us? Our lives will be messed up. Our lives would end up in misery and in tragedy. Let me share to you some statistics that I just got hold very recently. Do you know that the Philippines is the highest in so far as HIV is concerned in the Asia-Pacific region? Let me say it again. Do you know that the Philippines is the highest in HIV in the Asia-Pacific Pacific region. And do you know the reason for that? Well, the Department of Health does not mean words. The reason why this is happening, the reason why there is a proliferation of HIV in our country is because of male-to-male -male sex. There you go. That's the reason. Male-to-male -male sex. And the result of that is HIV, and the result of that is the shortening of one's lifespan, and, and you're saying to God, Lord, you're, you're a giant killjoy. You just don't want us to have fun. You just don't want us to enjoy. You just don't want us to have freedom. Well, here's the thing. God wants the very best for us. Amen? That's why we have to follow the way we have been wired by God, the way He has designed us, because that's the only way to the blessed life. And so many people want to experiment with their lives. They want to do this and do that apart from God's Word, rebelling against the will of God. And the result is what? HIV? The result is AIDS? How does that, how do you call that blessed? That's a curse. But some people choose that way, unfortunately. And that is why the Bible calls those people who do not follow the way of wisdom as fools. 
That's what the book of Proverbs says. You're a fool if you do not follow the way of wisdom. If you do not follow the way of the Lord. The way of the Word of God. You are a fool. You're not being smart. You're not being wise. You're not being logical. You're not being intelligent enough. And it's unfortunate. Because some people end up in a mess, and, and guess what they do? They even blame God for the mess that they are in. You want to be blessed? You need to look. That's the first thing you need to do. Look intently. And look at the titles given to the Word of God. It is the perfect law. Meaning to say there are no errors. It has no flaws. It is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It doesn't get any better than that. You cannot improve on something that is perfect. God calls His Word the perfect law. Why would we want to follow the imperfections of the system of this world? Why do we want to follow the imperfect voices that we hear in the world? Why do we want to hear the imperfect voices of peer pressure? Of our friends who do not know the Lord? Why? We have the perfect law. And not only is it called the perfect law, because the holiness of God knows no error, it is also called the law of liberty. The law of liberty. Because one who does it experiences inner freedom. That's real freedom. When you follow and obey the Word of God, it liberates you. There is great emancipation that takes place when you obey the Word of God. You will not be bothered by a guilty conscience. There will be no things that would weigh down heavily on your heart. Anxiety will be driven out. Worry will be driven out. Why? Because you're in the center of God's will. And when you are in the center of the God's will, that's where you experience true freedom. This is how God defines freedom. But you see, some people define freedom this way. It is, freedom is to be able to do what you want to do. But do you really want to do what you want to do? Do you consider yourself wise enough, smart enough, intelligent enough to have a handle and a grip on life's issues and problems? Do you trust yourself enough that you will never ever make the wrong choices? That you will always make the smartest decision in your life? I don't think that's going to happen. You're going to hit at times, very few and far in between, but more often than not, you will miss. Because our minds and our hearts are not perfect. In fact, Jeremiah says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. It is desperately sick. Why trust your sick heart? Why trust your deceitful heart? So freedom, as some people would say, is to be able to do what you want to do. But the Bible says that freedom is really the ability to do what we ought to do. That's what real freedom is. So let me say it again. 
Freedom is present. Not when we do what we want to do, but when we do what we ought to do. When we do what we ought to do. That's where you have freedom. And that's a life of rest, by the way. Dr. Ang was sharing yesterday about meekness. And he said the definition of meekness is strength under control. There is no one more powerful than the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet, in His loving kindness and patience, we understand that He is exercising meekness, strength under control. Because if He did not exercise that, guess what would happen to all of us? We would all be wiped out. Jesus was explaining the life of rest. And He was saying that you need to put your yoke you need to put my yoke upon you. And he says, for I am lowly and meek, and there you will find rest. The primary context of that, by the way, has to do with salvation. People are weary and tried trying to save themselves. You can't save yourself. The way to salvation is the way of rest, the way of giving everything, surrendering your whole life to Christ. That's the way of rest. But to be able to do that, You've got to be humble. You've got to be lowly and meek and accept the fact that you can't save yourself. Otherwise, if you think you can save yourself, then you're not going to enter into a life of rest, a life of salvation, a life of redemption. And while the primary context there has to do with salvation, you can apply that as well in your life. You want a life of rest? Be lowly, be meek, be humble. Be teachable. Trust God. That's how you enter into a life of rest. And friends, I'm not, I'm not boasting. But you know what? I, I'm really so thankful to God for this life that I have. I'm really so thankful because I'm blessed of God. I'm blessed with a good marriage. It's not a perfect marriage. But I'm blessed with a good marriage. I'm blessed with the fact that I have children, my sons and my daughter, who are serving the Lord. They're not perfect as well, but they're right there where they need to be, serving God. I have daughters-in-law who love God, who fear God, and who are serving the Lord. I have, I have grandchildren who are so adorable. You have to excuse me. I'm so biased. All right. And I look at my life and I say, Lord, I am blessed. And I just realize, I just think about what could have happened if I rejected Christ. I could have ended up a drug addict, maybe even a drug pusher. I could be a victim of tokang. I could have been a drunkard, an alcoholic. I could be a wife beater. I could have messed up the lives of my children. So many things could have happened if not, if not for the fact that God arrested my heart and brought me to Himself. We are in a blessed place. And the interesting thing is sometimes we are in a blessed place and yet we're, we're not content. 
God brought the people of Israel into the land of Canaan. What was the land of Canaan? It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land wherein God gave them houses that they did not build, vineyards that they did not plant. God's eyes were on that land. Rain was abundant. There was an abundant harvest all the time. And yet, what did the people of Israel do? They looked to the other nations. They looked at the other fens, and, and they thought that the fence, or rather the, 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 the grass was greener on the other side of the fence. They began to covet the gods of other people. They, be, they began to covet the ways of other people. What were they doing? They were despising the Word of God. They were despising the God who had blessed them. And the result of that was God banished them from the land of Canaan. And sometimes that's what happens to us, figuratively speaking. We are banished from the presence of the Lord for the simple reason that we're not content with what we have. But we are already blessed. Amen? And more blessing is going to come our way. And friends, when I talk about blessing, I'm not just talking about spiritual blessings. To be sure, the spiritual blessings are the most important things. And that, God has not withheld anything from us because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But that's not all that God has to give to us. He provides for us materially. The Bible says that He shall provide for all our needs. The Bible says if we seek His kingdom and His righteousness first, He will add all these things unto us. God is a blesser, amen? He is a rewarder. He is a provider. He is a healer. He is everything to us, amen? He is, he is the Christ who is our sufficiency, our adequacy. So why should we complain? And why should we reject the perfect law of God and the law of liberty? So we need to look. And lastly, we need to abide. It reads, and abides by it, follows it, obeys it, aligns oneself to it. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. How many believe that God doesn't lie? You believe God does not lie. He doesn't lie. I mean, are there some people who are still not sure? All right, let me ask again. How many people believe that God does not lie? Raise your hands. All right. Do you think God lies when He says that if you are an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does? Do you think God lies? No. God is going to guarantee that you will be blessed as you obey God's Word. Now, I'm not saying that you will have a problem, storm, affliction, adversity-free kind of life. No, I'm not saying that. But you will have the covering of God. You will have the pillar of fire and the cloud of glory hovering upon you. You will have the presence of God bringing comfort and giving you peace and joy in your heart, giving you stability. That is what God will do. 
when you obey Him. So the Christian is not to be a forgetful here. Now let me just give you some takeaways, all right? Sometimes when we go to restaurants and we don't finish up everything, we have our takeaways. Let, so let me give you some takeaways this morning, takeaway questions. First of all, you need to ask yourself this question, what did I learn today? Uh, I was just blessed. <laughs> now, what did you learn today? All right? Here's the second question. Were there things in the Word that convicted me? Were there things in the Word that convicted me? Third question. How can I change myself? And finally, what are God's marching orders for me? As a Christian meditates on God's Word, he is to do what God requires. This is where the blessing is. The call of God upon our lives is not a pseudo-spirituality that glories in intellectual stimulation, that has no bearing on our spiritual maturity or our transformation. What God wants is this. What God wants is that when He looks at us, He wants to be able to see that we look like His Word. Amen? He wants to be able to see that we look like His Word. So you need to ask yourself this question. Do I look like the Word? Because Jesus looked like the Word. How do we know? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. You want to know how the Word looks like in human flesh? Just look at Jesus. That's the Word. And that is what you and I are supposed to look like. We are supposed to look like the Word of God. Amen? Give the Lord a big hand, please. Let's bow our heads right now and let's uh, close our eyes and let's pray. Lord, we thank You and bless You for this morning, O oh God. Thank You for the Word that was preached. We pray, Lord, that You will give us the heart to honor Your Word, to respect and revere Your Word by having it in our hearts to obey what has been preached. May today be a significant day that You Yourself would mark as we give ourselves further in total surrender to Your will. We pray, O oh God, that we would not be fools deluding ourselves into thinking that just because we attended today's service, we're fine. Lord, we're not fine until we obey Your Word. So we pray, Father, that You might speak to all of us 
to bring about a resolution, a determination, an intentionality to apply God's Word in our lives. We trust that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will accomplish this. And Lord, we thank you as well for the opportunity to give our tithes, our grace gifts, and our offerings. Lord, please use them for the glory of your holy name. And would you be so kind to bless us abundantly. Prosper us, Lord, not because we're covetous, not because we are discontent, but because we want to bless your work even more. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Shall we rise?